Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 299, and today we'll be talking about Mortimer to the Rescue from Craig of the Creek. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, Craig of the Creek was again the big winner in May, and uh, I thought we should talk about the episode that got the highest ratings of the bunch. 411,000. No other weekly premiere beat it. Yeah, I love I love seeing Craig of the Creek do so well on Cartoon Network. They also recently uh, released like a batch of episodes, and one of the creators on there sort of talked about how, as, as we learned with Steven Universe, the crew that works on the show has no direct connection to when the episodes get released, but they, they were talking about, yeah, it didn't feel quite like the right time to be having new episodes on the air, but they, they still kind of wanted to say that they were really appreciate the work on the show and kind of, you know, lauded all, all the, the black creators that helped make the show possible. And so it's, it's an interesting moment for Craig of the Creek where all these networks are sort of, you know, now like my Twitter feed, at least since I follow so many creatives and artists, it's full of like companies now being like, oh, okay, now, now, now we're saying that we uh, want to help support uh, black artists. And it, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it makes it makes you feel kind of like, thanks companies for you know saying things now, but you should have been doing it the whole time. But at least I feel like Nickelodeon Cartoon Network, although there's a lot of problematic things, there's 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 shows and creators showing that some some good things have been have been going on the whole time. So Craig of the Creek, thanks for still keeping the ratings high and um and having so many wonderful people working on it. And this episode is a beautiful showcase of. Everything that's wonderful about Craig of the Creek. The mighty Falcon Mortimer. Yeah, it, huge character development for, for a character I did not think would get any. And we're getting into basically Avatar levels of um, animal intelligence, where, you know, Appa, that was a unique characteristic of Avatar. Appa could always seemingly understand yeah. anything that any of the characters talked to him about. That happens a lot in cartoons. Well... It, 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 animal intelligence is interesting. Like, you know, they played with that in Avatar. Like, Momo had a whole episode where Katara was trying to get Momo to get them some medicine and uh, or some water. And, you know, Momo had no idea what they were saying. But Appa always seemed to be able to take any command. Obviously, you know, knew how to fly places and was highly intelligent. Wasn't Momo able to figure out that they wanted something? Momo just <laughs> couldn't quite figure out what? Yeah, Momo brought, brought Katara everything except water. But even in that follow-up series, like, they've shown animals have varying level of intelligence, right? Like, Korra had a polar bear dog, and that, you know, just acted like a dog and was not, not like Appa. <laughs> so this world that, that Craig lives in, we've talked before, I think when we talked about, I forget the name, about the, the future boy. What's that, that guy's Deltron. name? Deltron. Yeah. Future, future Deltron. He sort of bends the rules a little bit. Like, we, we couldn't quite tell in that episode, you know. It like yeah, the children live in a world of pretend, but you know it, it. Maybe he was from the future. Who knows? Because a lot of things happen in this episode that push cartoon logic, and you know moments where normal cartoon logic would apply, like Craig trying to uh, oh, propel yes. their raft across <laughs> the water. He's like, I don't know. I saw it in cartoons. I thought you know. Yeah, he's like, hey, I watch a lot of cartoons, which is hilarious because of the cartoon physics that were involved in. His plans in the last episode we talked about, Crisis at Elder Rock. Yeah, car- cartoon logic frequently fails, Craig, but yet we had a, um, apparently Wilderness's dog Cheese Sticks has a Danny Phantom Season 4 howling power. <laughs> alpha can... Howl, yes. Yes, it, it has Alpha Howl. 
and it, how on earth would that, you know, fit in? Like, Craig of the Creek never explicitly says that it's the children's imagination. Like, it never, it never shows a situation happening and then shows you, like, the, you know, another realistic perspective, right? Like, it doesn't show you both the imaginary yeah. thing happening and the real thing happening. It just happens. And so, you know, how did they? Like, they got out of the water. Wilderness is what saved them. And it seems like it was cheap through a bark. So the world they live in is a little, a little magical, a little special. That howl was very powerful. I mean, when I, when I saw that, I'm like, whoa, was that their soul leaving their body? And then they, they specifically call attention. It wasn't just one. It was all three of them. Yeah. Well, and then JP says, it was cool how your dog made our souls leave our body. <laughs> so yeah, cheese sticks straight up killed all three of them. Yeah. That, that makes me question exactly how much is imagination and and then of course you have uh you were talking about animal intelligence what about how wildernessa is able to understand mortimer yeah i know she she's straight up doolittled a whole a whole thing now she did think also that mortimer was telling her that they were you know being taken over by the moss and becoming zombies and you know maybe you could interpret that scene as that she had the same amount of insight as a uh, tony that one scout who was hilariously <laughs> prescient, like, he was like, oh, Mortimer's not with Kelsey? That must mean that they're trapped in yeah. somewhere. So, you know, maybe she's just that intelligent, but... She she was acting like she understood what Mortimer was saying, but then this is Wildernessa. She definitely would do that anyway, so, okay, I, I see your point. Right, like a child could be playing pretend in the wilderness, and that's why, you know, maybe maybe you get, you know, the, the goofy interpretation uh. at the end, but... I mean, with the dog howl, I think we're we're supposed to question their reality a little bit. And I think that is... I think that happens a lot on Craig of the Creek. Yeah, I, I like that characteristic of it. Because it, it definitely separates it from, like, a modern cartoon network like Clarence. Clarence's world is very much a kid's world that's, you know, realistic. Like, he does goofy things, but you're not going to have these weird physics. And, like, Hey Arnold would do things like have alternate dream sequences and there was a lot of like you would see arnold's imagination play out but the things that happened were very grounded but here they're really trying to give that anything can happen in the creek feeling which by the way the the whole the whole um not lance the hole the well, forest <laughs> the hole is one thing that this the swamp the the moss environment the algae abyss that you know, if we want to, if we really want to put on our, our lore hats here, they they just kind of briefly mentioned that something could be hidden in the algae. I think long term, as we build out these locations, I think I, I feel like the Steven Universe writers <laughs> in, in, in Ben Levin and Matt Burnett, like I feel them, you know, placing this mossy pit in front of us, algae pit in front of us and saying, you know, what if we came back here and something is hidden, you know, in, in the algae? I, I think there's an opportunity for this location to become important again as we fill out the, oh, the yes. history of the creek. I I definitely felt the exact same thing. That's that's what I was I want I want them to come back to the algae abyss and there'd be something cool going on there. I I love the nickname the fool's field. <laughs> yeah, that that itself is almost like a Steven Universia <laughs> gem ancient gem location. Okay, now you're thinking of uh Buddy Budwick's journal, the uh the steeple of hubris. <laughs> yeah, no, this is exactly like a buddy's location. I, I, I love how Mortimer's like, oh, hey, I'll go to the Forest Scouts. And the Forest Scouts are like, a uh, possible cry for help. 
Nah. <laughs> well, but Jason was. Those scouts are interesting. I, the show doesn't do stereotypes very much with their characters. They kind of do it with the the elders. But man, these um these scouts are definitely your stereotypical how you would normally portray like nerdy nerdy scouts in a cartoon. They do not stray away from those very tight archetypes of like the kid with braces who just talk like this and you have the <laughs> um what what is it? It's it's called a uh, Ill- iliism like the the Bor- Boris kid just refers to himself as Boris the whole time. There's a whole like I I the characters that are like large dudes who just refer to themselves in the third person because apparently they're <laughs> they're like not conscious of themselves as 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 a self in first person. That's a weird stereotype. Um but it's funny. You know what my favorite thing about the interaction with the scouts was? How uh how Jason was ready to kill Mortimer because Mortimer took his wildlife conservation badge. <laughs> oh the was, irony was of it. Was it kill? Was he out to kill Mortimer? Uh, I I mean the <sighs> Mortimer is a very fragile bird. I, I don't think that he can uh, grab him without causing severe damage. Oof. I mean, I guess he could have the defense that Mortimer is a pet store bird and therefore does not count as wildlife, but I, I really do think it goes against the spirit of the merit badge. Meanwhile, um, <laughs> Boris definitely took the latrine merit badge to, to spirit because that was a um an overzealously dug hole. I really like that gag at the end that they're they're just still stuck in the hole. And that is a deep hole. I mean, this is the creek is a dangerous place for these children. Like that algae looks like you could drown in it like quicksand. And mm. how did he not hit the water table with that? Like that's I'm amazed. Oh, right. He's right by the creek. That's true. It does seem like they could also be at risk of drowning. No, that was it. That was a dry hole more than 10 feet. Easy. Yeah, they should have been bruised up more. 10, 10 foot drop. The scouts do do a lot of fitness training, I'm sure. So they're they're tougher than your average creek kid. This episode, though, it has a, it has a nice a nice round structure for Mortimer. I really like that it's framed with Mortimer starting in front of the mirror and ending, you know, back in front of his little mirror in his cage and flexing his new falcon confidence in front of it. And even the you know dog, he has a dog motivating him. He was scared of a dog, and now he's you know overcome it that was just like a cute little cute little arc yeah the uh the the book ending between you know him being afraid of cerberus and him overcoming his fear of cheese sticks was was also quite nice for for mortimer's personal journey i just i i didn't know that we would have a personal journey for kelsey's you know parakeet but here here we are we're also at the point in the show where the characters are self-aware of some of their um more cartoony aspects like the fact that Everyone has an iconic accessory. Oh, I'm I'm so glad they called back to the whole my iconic accessory. <laughs> I uh, I do think though that JP is wrong. It's not his long sleeves that are his iconic accessory. It's his frequent shirtlessness <laughs> that is because uh, they really. I feel like you know I haven't seen every Craig of the Creek episode, but I feel like for all the ones we do watch, JP's shirt just comes off. He just. He he lives a, a a bear life, and you know, good good for him. But yeah, <laughs> but uh, what what I liked, you, you know how you know how last time we're like, call somebody, call the fire department. Yeah, I guess again, we know why they didn't want to call the fire department to rescue from the algae abyss. But I di- I didn't appreciate that they were looking at their phones to try to get people to call them. It's just they're very insular, and they 
happen to have nobody else's I, contact information. You think I can't? You think he could call home and be like, "Hey, mom, can you can you get me Kit's phone number or something?" <laughs> yeah. Well, he can't call mom because you know he can't let his mom know that the creek is a dangerous place. You know, hey mom, I'm at the creek, but I'd really like to call Kit. Can you look her phone number up for me, please? Thanks. <laughs> That, that part, though, like, at least they addressed, oh, yeah, we know that two of them have cell phones, but the fact that they really have none of the other kids' phone numbers is a little surprising. Like, they're not that insane. Yeah, I, 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 feel like, I feel like there's probably an episode where that's proven to be wrong, just statistically that's probably happened, but hey, maybe it hasn't. I'm uh, a bit off on my encyclopedic knowledge, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could always use the excuse, are these episodes ever even, like, in order? I mean, you know, are we guaranteed that the chronicles of Craig's life... Yeah, how, how do we know that this episode didn't happen immediately after Wildernessa? Yeah. We don't know that. Like, I mean, there's no... Not if we see Mortimer being confident or not, maybe. There's not any definitive signs of uh, chronology. Yeah, you watch Mortimer bust out that fit falcon to defeat some terrible boss monster of the creek later <laughs> continuity baby <laughs> i uh i'm still hung up on wilderness's dog having um superpowers that alpha wilderness, Howl. Uh, i mean the thing is that dog is already a freak of nature that wouldn't belong in our world <laughs> so i uh i don't know the fact like she's got this whole mystical thing going on talking to animals and an animal with a superpower uh, we'll we'll see how much farther they can they can stretch that. Well, she's a druid and he's her animal companion, so that might be where he gets the powers from. I would have figured he would be ranked up in barbarian, not in some kind of spellcaster class. <laughs> so it must be from her druid powers. Yeah. Well, maybe ranger, but she has more of the yeah, maybe ranger. Same thing though. You, you would think that Craig of all of people though would have packed multiple paddles. Yeah, this was not his most prepared moment, but Wildernessa calls him out on that. She's like, you don't know much about <laughs> the wild or about rafts. How rafts work. Is this all somehow Craig's fault? <laughs> she does not like Craig, but at least she was right this time. I, yeah, I don't know why, though. I don't know. She must be crushing on him. That, honestly, I had that same thought where I was like, this feels like that childhood, I'm picking on you, but it's because I, I like you. My va- my favorite bit was the bit that Craig ends up calling out where he's like, <laughs> but, you know, Kelsey's like, oh, my hair, I haven't washed it in a while. Thanks for, for noticing, you know, but you could you could mention it uh, again. I thought she said she hadn't got it cut in a while. I thought she hadn't washed it in a while because she like flicks her hair back and then <laughs> dandruff or something flies out of it. Um, I don't yeah, know. That sounds gross. <laughs> well. The kids are kind of gross, but I just like that JP tries pulling the same thing, and Craig's like, I don't know what you guys are doing, but... Just let him have this! <laughs> that was out of nowhere, and I loved it for it. Yeah. Those those little authentic moments of just... I don't know. They, they feel like they speak to very specific experiences, especially Craig snapping, but it's in Kelsey's ear, and Kelsey's like, that was really loud, <laughs> Craig. Like I, you just know a writer's experience that. Yeah, that was a that was a healthy dose of reality. Watch where you snap, kids. I, you know, I was listening to this episode with headphones on, and that snap was very sharp. So it is, you know, great sound design. Also hilarious sound design. The raft 
that they were that Craig Craig was trying to cover the hole, and you got a million you know like fart noise squealing sounds. That 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 was some nice foley, excellent foley work. Good on you guys. Anyway, guys, that's been us on Mortimer to the Rescue. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13 and I'm David. Leave us a review somewhere. It's uh, it's gonna be episode what three hundred next week. Yeah. Who knows? It could be a completely normal week. I don't think we've ever celebrated a milestone, but it is 300, so you never know. Um, you never know. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. <laughs>